0: Oh, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Pop Tournaments Podcast. This is episode 186 coming to you on January 10th, 2024. Everybody's doing it. Happy 25th anniversary to the Sopranos. Yep. It's, it's a big
1: one. <laughs> it's
0: I, I don't know. It's well what's funny, so we're rewatching Bojack Horseman and there was a uh flashback episode where um Todd falls out the window and he he grabs the, the last reel of the Sopranos episode, the final episode, and that's why it cuts to black. That That's the oh, implication. That's funny. <laughs> St- stupid little 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 Hollywood fact there. But also, a very happy 79th birthday to Sir
1: Rod Stewart. Wow, undeserved. <laughs> Hold
0: on now. The man has sold over 120 million albums worldwide. No, that doesn't deserve knighthood. No, 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 it
1: doesn't. That doesn't mean McDonald's is the best food in the world.
0: <laughs> Ouch. I think Rod Stewart is more of the Arby's and not okay. McDonald's. I, I wouldn't
1: give him that much credit, personally. but And I wouldn't call him the McDonald's either. He just sold a lot of records. I, I don't understand, really. I never got the appeal.
0: He has, okay, a, well, he
1: has a unique voice. Um, but even like his old stuff, I don't really like, like, you know, the faces era and the, do you think I'm sexy? And the, um, God, I don't even remember all through the eighties. I was never a fan of Rod Stewart. Tonight's the night. Uh, yeah. Take it or leave it.
0: Well, how about if I called Rod Stewart, the poor man's Ryan Barrett?
1: That would re- anger me quite a bit, <laughs> I suppose you could call him poor man's Ryan spirits. That wouldn't yeah. be too bad, but still, I'd rather have no association um <laughs> well, now if if Rod Stewart was in a band with Sting and Brian Adams, that might be a different story, <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about the three Musketeers. <laughs> Maybe the worst soundtrack song of the big soundtrack boom. Although I would say it's tied with uh, another Brian Adams song from Don Juan DeMarco. Um uh, can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But those were both really bad. I think after uh after Brian Adams got the big hit uh from Robin Hood, everybody was tapping on him for uh for soundtrack hits and they never- they they
0: they thought they thought he was the next Kenny Loggins.
1: Exactly.
0: Yes. <laughs> he was not. Um, but a happy 71st birthday. I think you'll like this one better. To Pat Benatar. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, I mean, Love. let's go through. We've well, do I will ask you first. Your favorite Pat Benatar song.
1: Um, we you belong. Want some choices? Okay. I think uh, that's my first. Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker's great.
0: Hit me with your best shot. Great. Shadows of the night. Oh hell yeah! Do you know who was in that video before Um, they were known? Tom Reinhold and
1: (laughs) Bill Paxton. (laughs) Oh wow, that's cool. Love is a battlefield. Yeah. Great metaphor. Happy,
0: Happy happy birthday to Pat Benatar. And I mean, we gotta continue with the music birthdays. Uh, Yesterday, Joan Baez was 83. Okay. Did you know she dated Steve Jobs in the 80s?
1: No, I didn't.
0: (laughs) I thought that was crazy. Jimmy Page, 80 yesterday. Nice. Dave Matthews, 57. I cannot believe, I thought he was, I thought it was going to be like 65 or something like
1: that. That, I, I honestly, like, I don't think of him as being 57. I definitely don't think of him as being in his 60s. But, like, if you were to ask me how old he was, I feel like I would have no idea. I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I know he's older than me. So,
0: yeah, somewhere between 43 and 63. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, But today, uh, one thing we really, really do have to celebrate, 40th anniversary of Where's the Beef?
1: Yes. Love it. You
0: know everybody everybody always tries to make the joke did that lady ever find the beef mm-hmm she she actually got fired from uh, the this commercial for finding the beef oh because wow. she appeared she appeared in a Prego commercial and said there it is I found it
1: oh interesting <laughs> i I thought you were gonna say she found the beef she started a vendetta against <laughs> the uh Wendy's corporation and Wendy's the beef never stopped. The beef never stopped after that.
0: <laughs> no, that was uh, Clara Peller. Uh, she was a she was born in 1902, a Russian immigrant. Uh, I just had to say her her father's name, Wolf Sverdlov.
1: Oh, nice! I thought that... you were gonna say her father's name. The beef.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was orphaned. At a young age, and she was looking for him ever since. (laughs) We are off to a meaty start here. Mommy, where's the beef? Where did the beef go, Mommy?
0: (laughs) He left for a pack of cigarettes.
1: (laughs) BTW, BTW, henceforth, please address me as the beef.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have the beef, Ryan Barrett. What's happening everybody? I'm Jake. Hope everybody is doing well. Ryan, tell us about the tent sale.
1: Oof. Um, you know, I watched a lot of TV this weekend, mm. but a lot of it was kind of disposable, you know, YouTube videos and what have you. <laughs> the the big one, the headliner of the weekend. Mm. Uh, I watched The Holdovers, finally, now streaming on now- Peacock.
0: Oh, it's on Peacock. Okay, now is that the sequel or the prequel to The Leftovers?
1: Um, I believe it would be the prequel (laughs) if it is in the same universe. Uh, It takes place first.
0: You hold over food, and then it becomes leftovers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, really, really great movie. I mean, like most. Who we got here? We got
0: Paul Giamatti, right? And And that's
1: about it. Uh, No, Who's the kid? Um, I don't, I didn't recognize him. Okay. Um, w- was it the kid from Sixth Sense?
0: Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, no,
1: I'm just kidding. I, I didn't recognize him. The other, um, main character in the movie, um, I'm drawing a blank on the actress's name, but she was won a Golden Globe over the weekend. It was okay. somebody though, who's like a character actor. I've seen her in gotcha. like, you know, 10 things, but. I couldn't name name one of them. Um, But she's amazing in this. Um, And as is Paul Giamatti, as is the kid. It's basically like a three-hander, you know? Ooh, Um,
0: love a good three-hander.
1: I I know. Um, (laughs) This, um, yeah, it's it's really great, though. It reminds me, it's funny because it is done in the style of... uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s movie, I would say, you know, um, and that's
0: when it takes place. Right.
1: That's exactly right. Yep. yep. A- and so it, you know, a lot of the transitions they use and, you know, just the way it looks is very like 70s um, in the best is, way. But it is really... there a lot of
0: star wipes? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, no star wipes, but a lot of like cross cuts, um, okay. in the middle of Love dialogue, it. it looks really weird. Like, it seems like, oh, I haven't seen that since like the eighties where like yeah. somebody's talking and all of a sudden it starts like fading into the next scene. Um, Love that. but yeah, no, it's a uh, really good, uh, as far as that goes, like the production value and stuff, um, but, it, you know, it kind of reminds me a lot of those, um, like, Dead Poets Society or something like that.
0: I, I was just going to say something like that, yeah. It, it's
1: not as, like, um, you know, motivational or whatever, inspirational. Mm. It's definitely, um, you know, more of, like, a coming-of-age story. Emotional. And, and a looking-back-at-your-life kind of story. And, mm. um, yeah, just really, really, really great great story of like empathy and uh yeah just i very solid i i I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie of the year um because past lives past lives is definitely number one with a bullet right now and i haven't seen anything yet there i i think the viewing experience was better than that um do you
0: do you think this has a chance to be nominated for best picture if if they go with 10 nominations
1: holdovers yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, I okay. think it's pretty much locked in at this point. And I I was just listening to a podcast last night, and they were talking about the best actor race, and they were saying that, you know, months and months previous... There's a race of best actors? Yes. <laughs> and right now, surprisingly, in the lead, Paul Giovanni.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, people are saying this is his best performance since Sideways, so...
1: Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. I I think that's probably true. Um but the um Oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, um Cillian Murphy, Gillian. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Yeah, the tomato tomato. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of the the other main contender. Um So, yeah, we'll we'll see. It should be interesting.
0: Yeah, I can't. I cannot wait to get into Oscar season.
1: So, no, that's, uh, oh, that's. Spe- oh, speaking of Oscar season, I also went last night. I said, you know what? I finally just have to bite the bullet and watch Killers of the Flower Moon, like rent it. You know, mm-hmm. and so I went on uh, not streaming anywhere, but available for rent for twenty bucks on you know, uh, Prime and Apple TV. Yeah. Um. And then I just looked up to see. W- or, or no you know what it was I was like I wanted to make sure if I rented it with Apple TV it would be available for 48 hours because I kind of feel like I'll probably watch it in two chunks mm-hmm. um and when I went there it said streaming uh January 11th Ooh. for free for free oh, okay. on Apple on Apple TV yeah, so we can wait a day yep yeah, yep yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely try to get that in this weekend.
0: So, so next week on Wednesday morning, you're going to be like, "What did I watch last week?" Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I, it was I, something. <laughs> I will just say real quick, kind of back on the year-end best of sort of vibe. Yeah, I started. I'm a Virgo. Okay. Have you heard? Have you heard about that? I have not. It's a it's a show by Boots Riley, uh, formerly okay. of The Coup and the rap group, and. Um, the his directorial debut sorry to bother you
0: Mm, so this is
1: this is his follow-up in show form um but really really weird it i mean it's it's about like a teenage boy who's a giant
0: yeah you know Ah. like he's
1: like a a literal giant like jack in the beanstalk stylies
0: is his name andre
1: no, no. Is this my dinner not. with Andre? Is this the prequel to my <laughs> yeah. dinner with Andre? My dinner the with Giant. Andre the Giant? <laughs> what a peanut? Uh, <laughs>
0: they're free here at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah.
1: I heard he used to drink like six cases of beer a night or something crazy like that.
0: Just to fall asleep.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, lot of problems. Um but, uh, I, I also, just a little bit of the, uh, you know, on Never the do, on the doc scene, um, watched the movie on Netflix, Hell Camp, mm. um, which is kind of about like a bad teenage reform uh, boot camp sort of thing. Sure. Um, and it was going on for the last 30 plus years, but Paris Hilton just came out recently and spoke about her experience in one of these boot camps and that kind of brought more attention to it, but that was awesome. Really, really liked Mm. it even better. Uh, three part series. I can't remember if it's on Hulu or prime. I think it's on prime. Um, it's called bad surgeon Mm. and it's about, uh, an Argentinian, uh, or I think he's Argentinian, but, but a doctor, um, who, you know, deceived people. And, uh, you know, it's a really crazy story. It's pretty, like, unbelievable.
0: I, f- I feel but. like that's the premise of the recent Saw X. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> wow, cool. Uh, well, I also had a, a fairly big uh, content week. Um, I think we both needed to talk about uh, again, another movie that's getting a lot of buzz about uh, award season. Saltburn. Yeah. Jacob Keoghan, J- Jacob Elordi. Um, I personally loved this
1: movie. Nice.
0: It, you know, <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of different things going on throughout it, a lot of different themes. But um, I thought stellar performances from everyone involved. It obviously has some very talked about scenes, but
1: um, did you enjoy Saltburn? I did. Um, it, it was definitely an experience. You know, it was one of those <laughs> movies sure. that that you were constantly kind of trying to get your footing. I think, it, yep. in a good in a good way, though. You know, yeah. like it was almost like a mystery unraveling, and you're trying to figure out what the fuck these people's intentions are and what's going on and then it's kind of like you finally sink into like what's actually happening in the last like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, I thought it was great and I mean I would I thought it was really good. I thought that um all the actors though, especially Barry Keoghan, um kind of I mean, is a very dynamic performance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I think he's he's one of the most exciting actors we have going right now. So, um, and I personally loved the the
0: the portrayal from both the parents. The, yeah, uh, absolutely the the rich pair. I mean, I I'm drawing a blank on their names uh, again. Very famous actors, but um, just really encapsulated those uh, that specific role. Yeah. rolls really really well. I really enjoyed enjoyed that. Um also um everybody's talking about Murder on the Dance Floor, the the final song of the movie. Uh-huh. And I I you knew that song before this movie, right? Like I, did. I like and everybody's calling it like the new uh the new Running Up That Hill. Like everybody's getting into this song yeah, yeah. because of the movie. And I'm like, I knew that song before. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah but you know any any anything that gets people into good music that's that's totally fine with me um also finally got around to watching don't worry darling nice what'd you think uh you know again nice interesting little movie didn't hate it didn't hate it by any means uh, it would, would I say it's you know one of the best movies uh, of the of 2022 that came out right or was that yeah 2022? it was 2022 uh you know I put it in maybe the Top twenty, okay, but you know, it not uh, not. It's definitely not top five. But it was it was yeah. again great performances from everybody involved. Really, really fun watch. Another kind of mystery unraveling before your eyes. Um, and then uh, the last couple of days, uh, I watched. I I can't get enough of dumb movies. You know, I love my dumb movies. Oh yeah. So, watched The Retirement Plan, one of the latest Nicolas Cage ventures before Dream Scenario. Nice. How was it? <laughs> it was not good. Thanks. <laughs> but, no, no, great performance from the Cage Man, from the Cage Master.
1: <laughs> Beautiful.
0: He's a hamster. <laughs> yeah. He's a Cage Master. <laughs> no, um... Uh, uh, who else was in this? Jack Earl Haley, uh, or Jackie Earl Haley, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, and why can't I? Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman was also oh. in it. Uh, um, you know, again, interesting interesting choices, but uh, it was still fun. It was just dumb. Now, if we want to talk really dumb, I went back a few years to 1988's Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring roddy rowdy piper
1: oh my god i didn't know about this
0: have you ever heard of this movie no so this was uh suggested to me by pop tart chris subdy um available free on youtube (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm just gonna give you the premise uh it's the future after a bunch of uh nuclear wars uh Women are in charge of the United States. Oh, boy. No, yeah, exactly. Sound familiar? I'm just kidding. (laughs) But um, there's a fertility problem, okay? And then there's also mutants that live on reservations. I'm already in. (laughs) And a bunch of fertile women have been abducted by the mutants, And so they send Roddy Roddy Piper and his uh, squad of other soldiers in so that he can rescue and impregnate them.
1: Oh, wow. This sounds bad shit.
0: No, no. He even has, like... You know how, like, ankle monitors work? Yeah. He's got one of them on his dick. (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) Yep. You need... All I can say is... I'm not saying in a good or bad way, but I definitely recommend everybody watch Hell Comes to Frogtown. Nice. I'm I'm putting you, it on the list. You never know what is happening in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough enough of that. Let's get into the second round of our 1994 albums tournament. And this is this is really interesting. Like when I when we first put together this bracket I gotta tell you, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, it's way more heavy loaded on the left-hand side than it is on the right-hand side. I don't know if you would have agreed or disagreed with that. But, as we go into our second round here, all of the winners... The the, the combined total of album sales of uh, our second round matchups on the left side, 38 million copies... Not bad. No, you combine all the total album sales of the winners on our right hand side—ninety-one million copies. Oofda. that's
1: about three times as much.
0: That is almost three <laughs> times as much. And I'll tell you what: on our right hand side, nothing peaked lower than four. Wow. Again, I—I I, but that's you know this is retrospective, of course, so getting into that left hand side of the second round we have ready to die from the notorious BIG having beat 4 from blues traveler 37 to 23 going against park life from blur this was our first really close one we had a lot of close matchups just barely beating live through this 28 to 27 Ooh. um you know, again, these are two albums that kinda have two big hits and then a bunch of underrated hits underneath them. But this is this is ready to die in a in a landslide, right? One hundred
1: percent. I think this is an easier matchup for ready to die than Blues Traveler was.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> I, I completely agree there. That it, it should be but So we're gonna assume it's ready to die. We'll have to face the winner of what is going to be our first very, very difficult second round matchup. Both these albums kind of had four big hits off of them. We have Definitely Maybe from Oasis having beat Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain from Pavement, 40 to 11. Going up against Weezer, the blue album, Weezer, uh, beat No Need to Argue from the Cranberries, 35 to 22. Like I said, kind of four big hits here uh, on both albums. Definitely Maybe you had Rock and Roll Superstar, Shaker Maker, Live Forever, Super Sonic. Weezer, you got My Name is Jonas, Buddy Holly, Undone, the Sweater Song, and Say It Ain't So. I, I know I know, a lot of people are going to have a tough decision here, but do you? Not at all.
1: It's definitely Weezer. Um, yes.
0: You hate Oasis, don't you?
1: I do, very much. Although, <laughs> it would be really cool to see uh, Park Life versus Definitely Maybe. <laughs> that, that would be really very UK of the Pop-Tarts. <laughs> that's,
0: that's what our sister station in, in Brick, Spain is doing right
1: now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that even a town? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, this is a no-brainer for me. I mean, those Oasis songs, I didn't even know. I didn't know Oasis until Wonderwall. And Mm. Weezer was everywhere in 94. Like, I remember, like, every kid in my, uh, you know, in my grade had that CD, except Mm -hmm. for me, who had the cassette.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, which... In the years since, which band has tarnished their standing more? <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, there's all the onstage on stage antics between the Gallagher brothers. Yep. But then there's that cover of Africa by Toto. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and just, I mean, uh, Island in the Sun and Beverly oh, Hills. God. Like, oh, God. They, they have just turned into, like... A shadow. Like, I mean, I think they're just as much of like uh you know money grabbers as like Christian rock bands and stuff, you know.
0: (laughs) I think they're stuck in ninety-four.
1: Yeah. I I think that's what it
0: they're like, ooh, Hashpipe. Let's write a song called Hashpipe.
1: And BTW, I actually like that song. I I I definitely would take Hashpipe over Islands in the Sun or whatever.
0: (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, but that should I th- I think a lot of the pop tarts are going to have a difficult time with that one, so it should be should be interesting. Um, up next, and I I'm sorry to talk you through this, but we have a, a a very grungy matchup here. We have Jar of Flies from Alice in Chains having beat Illmatic from Nas twenty eight to twenty, going up against Vitology from Pearl Jam, beat Corn's debut album Corn thirty nine to eight. That's surprising. roughly, yeah. Roughly both both albums sold, you know, between six and seven million copies. Jar of flies with the upset over Illmatic. It, it, this might be closer than we think, right?
1: Yeah, I have no idea how this is gonna go. I, um, you know, obviously, historically, Love Jar of flies historically known for not liking <laughs> Alice in Chains, um, but I don't really know Vitology well. Um, right. So so it's kinda tough. I will say, uh, you know, I think this is gonna surprise you. I've been Did listening to nothing but grunge pretty much since the last time we talked. Really? Um, yep. I've pretty I mean I'm sure I've listened to the entire Nirvana Unplugged album, which is fucking mm. amazing. Yeah um and I've weird I've been listening to a lot of Soundgarden. Oh um, and uh especially the Bad Motor Finger album, actually, their their previous yes. album. Yep. Um But um I also listened to a little Alice in Chains. And um, you know, I I don't know <laughs> if my opinion of them like really changed, but I think listening to them with the context of like they were one of the godfathers of grunge, you know, <laughs> like back uh, in like 1990, before grunge was really a thing, they were part of that scene in Seattle with, um, with Soundgarden and you know eventually Nirvana, but um, that they have such a specific sound that I think represents grunge better than just about anybody. Um, And that's like, I I feel like grunge in its initial conception was kind of like a mix between metal and um, like punk and blues, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree?
0: Oh yeah, of course. I would throw a little emo in there.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. But they, it was much more, I feel like it was more metal tinged than people yeah. give it credit for. I mean, or not give it credit for, but people don't. I think necessarily go, oh, grunge. It's like an offspring of metal, you know. Right. But I or, think or w- it's when blues you listen- with metal. Yeah, yeah. But but when you listen to like the chords they use, yeah. you listen to the time signatures they use. It's all like very much inspired. To me, by like Iron Maiden and that kind of stuff, you know, like those '80s sure. metal bands. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's it's been a really interesting week for me and grunge. Um, I Your I buddy honestly, grunge. What's that?
0: Your buddy grunge. It's been an me. interesting week. Yeah, for me yeah. And grunge.
1: Me and grunge and the beef. We've had a really interesting <laughs> week. Um, but um, we got kicked out of Sapporo. <laughs> yeah. Now the song "Wood" is that from uh, Jar of Flies?
0: It is not. It is not. Jar of Flies gave us no excuses, and I stay away. Okay. Nutshell, don't follow. Is it's the more? It's a, an acoustic album.
1: Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I'll 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 go and listen to a little bit of Jar of Flies, and I'll listen mm. to a little Vitology. I'll do some homework, mm. and and I, I should. Sorry.
0: I should have known you were, you were more into grunge because I see you're wearing a flannel and smoking a Parliament light. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> All the shades are closed. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Soundgarden, jumping into our next match here, we have Mellow Gold from Beck having beat uh, Dummy from Portishead 29-19 to going up against Super Unknown uh, from Soundgarden. Uh, beat under the pink uh by Tori Amos 40 to 30 Wow so uh yeah this was a super unknown our biggest vote getter uh, so far in in the first round um you know Mellow gold only got to f- number 13 on the charts only sold two million copies kind of just known for loser but super unknown hit number one. 8 million copies. You got Fell on Black Days, Spoon Man, Black Hole Sun. I'm sure now you are more recently familiar with these songs.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, Black Hole Sun, I had on fucking repeat in 1994. That video, <laughs> that video was so huge and it was so weird. I loved that song. And actually, before that, uh, when Spoon Man came out, The video, that that was one of those grunge songs that I was like, I actually kind of like this, you know, even though that's like very traditional grunge. I think Mm -hmm. Spoonman is like, you know, true uh, version one grunge. Um, And I really liked that when it came out. That was probably the first Soundgarden song I had ever heard. And I was like, this is kind of cool. But then when Black Hole Sun came out, it was like, like I said, everywhere, and yeah, and I loved that video. Like I said, just bought the cassette because there are guitars. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, for me, this is pretty easy. Soundgarden, even oh, though oh, I, I
0: think it's Soundgarden in a landslide. Probably. Yeah,
1: I I love Loser and I love Beck, but.
0: And that, that album is very unique. It's, it, I, I think that's kind of the problem is like, <sighs> I think a lot of people are more into artists that are eclectic in a way that they do specific types of albums where this is an album that's just so eclectic and all over the board with, you know, different musical styles, mellow yeah. gold that is, you know, um, so, yeah, I think, I think at least that, that this quarterfinal, again, it's going to be all grunge. It's going to be Soundgarden against either Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains. So should be oh. really interesting there. Yes? Now, I
1: know I said last time we talked about Mellow Gold, I believe I compared Loser to Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, I believe I said it reminded me of a Bob Dylan song lyrically. Okay. I thought about it more, though, and you know what it reminds me of more? Is Dewey Cox's Bob Dylan period. (laughs) Bob Dylan. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Which is what I would say 16 stone from Bush was. But whatever. (laughs) Either way, either way. So um, jumping over to that big, big, huge right side. At the top, we have Dookie from Green Day having beat "Regulate" the G Funk era from Warren G thirty-seven to twenty, going up against "Throwing Copper" from Live, having beat "Cracked Rearview Mirror" a uh, rear view from Hootie and the Blowfish twenty-eight to twenty-two. I was surprised there. Um. Both. So again, almost every album on this side is in the double digits. Dookie sold over twenty million copies worldwide. Throwing Copper surprisingly sold over ten million copies worldwide. Wow! I just, I, I, I still cannot believe that. Yeah. But again, this is Dookie in a landslide, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um,
0: I mean, Throwing Copper might get some votes, but
1: yeah, and you know. I might I might split my vote honestly um because I'm not like the biggest fan of Dookie and I really love Live and especially You're more like, of a piss guy. <laughs> <laughs> what if they just would have kept that theme going for the rest of their career all like bathroom <laughs> bathroom uh whatever okay yeah. so I did also Back to back on my way to work, um, you know, maybe Saturday morning, listen to, uh, the uh, lightning crashes. I haven't heard that that song. Just that song. I haven't heard that song in a long time. Um, that's really fucking good. And I mean, the, definitely the best use of the word placenta in a song, um, (laughs) Although that sounds like a future tournament, <laughs> um, in which case this would be the number one seed with a bullet. <laughs> uh, I don't know, no, but great song, great hit, you know. And and I honestly think that song in this album was very influential for the next generation of like Cities 97 alternative, <laughs> sure, you know what I mean. Um, like the Bodines and whatnot.
0: I can't. I can't put my finger on it, but I am just so surprised by your love of lightning crashes.
1: And, and you know, I I said I said the Bodines. What I meant was uh, like Lifehouse and Creed, and that okay, maybe not Creed, but that but I, kind of um, God. I'm trying to think. Um,
0: no, there's definitely some uh, c- there's candle some, box. Uh, Candlebox, sure. They yeah. were about the same time, but there's definitely some live in Creed. There yeah, yeah. is live walks so Creed could stumble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> True get words. The, like, even, even at the time, I'm like, this isn't all right. I thought it was a cheesy hit at the time, and I still think it is to this day. Hmm. So interesting interesting red flag on your resume there sir.
1: <laughs> oh man i should put that on my resume going forward
0: uh thanks uh, lightning crashes is, is an amazing single <laughs> yes just just bullet point that <laughs> yeah no context Light,
1: lightning crashes bullet point amazing single Low um, diner general manager <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> didn't plan this didn't plan this at all you love bands that are just three letters, don't you?
1: Abs, yeah. <laughs> X- XTC, XTC, ABC, ABC again.
0: N I N, S- N- I- <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and I'm surprised I didn't bring that. Up. Well, it'll come up in a second. Hold on. Uh, so here we have Monster from REM having beat uh Grace from Dreft Buckley 33 to 20. Going up against Crazy Sexy Cool from TLC. Having beat Under the Table in Dreaming by Dave Matthews Band, 33-19. Monster sold uh, almost 10 million copies. Crazy Sexy Cool just over 15 million copies. This will surprise you, though. Monster went to number one on the Billboard 200. Crazy Sexy Cool went to number three. Mm -hmm. But retrospectively... This is Crazy Sexy Cool, again in a landslide, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I just want to take one moment, though, to imagine an alternate universe where in 1994, R.E.M. released the album Crazy Sexy Cool. That, <laughs> that, would, be such, that would be such an amazing album title for an R.E.M. album.
0: What if they each of these bands covered each other's album?
1: Oh, God, that would be so awesome. I would love... I want
0: to hear TLC
1: sing What's the Frequency, Kenneth. <laughs> yes. My, my brain went the other way, but <laughs> yes, that, that would be great. <laughs> the
0: harmonies there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Plus the rap break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never knew what the frequency had a rap break.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does now. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa.
0: <laughs> um yeah, again, think this is uh, uh crazy sexy cool in a landslide, but which will throw up or sh- throw up? Jesus. It will uh create regurgitate. I, it will <laughs> create what I think will be a very exciting quarterfinal matchup between Dookie and Crazy Sexy Cool.
1: Yeah, that'll be great. And that
0: that will be very very interesting. So, uh moving on uh, again, a little grungy, a little punky alternative. We will. We have the downward spiral from Nine Inch Nails, having beat Purple from Stone Temple Pilots, twenty-five to twenty-three. And again, I can't believe I didn't bring up the like. They these are abbreviated bands. Also, they both one goes by NIN, the other STP, whatever. But a close one. Just two votes there uh, decided that uh, going up against Smash. From The Offspring Having Beaten My Life by Mary J. Blige, 36 to 23. Downward Spiral made it to number two. Smash made it to number four. Funny thing about Downward Spiral. And, uh, you know, the I don't think this will end up happening, but our finals, our finals could be the Downward Spiral up against Super Unknown, which were both released on the same day.
1: Yeah, could, that's that's could, crazy. I'm I'm sorry. Could, uh just a little moment of realness here. Uh, my there, cat. There, there's a cat. Situation. <laughs> there's a cat fucking my shit up right now.
0: Ryan's got a bunch of pussy in his lap. Yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry so, Judy.
1: Yeah. Um
0: uh, <laughs> uh, But uh, downward spiral versus smash. This is this is tough.
1: It is. Um and I my initial uh my initial thoughts are offspring mm. um mm-hmm. and i will say uh another i i also listened to the hits from that album quite a bit over the last yeah. week and keep them separated holy shit do you know the lyrics to that song yes they yes. are so crazy it's 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 like uh it reminds me of the movie falling down a little bit well, um,
0: actually, I don't know the lyrics to Keep Them Separated. I know the lyrics to Come Out and Play. Oh,
1: <laughs> Okay.
0: Clearly, it, he doesn't like rock music, guys. <laughs> it's okay.
1: I, I believe it's called Keep Them Separated, parentheses, Come Out and Play, although I might... Other way wrong. around. Okay. But uh, th- th- that's Sorry. cool. <laughs> yes. Anyway, wow, what a disaster um bomb (laughs) but yeah this i encourage everybody if you've never like read the lyrics along with this song please go do that it will blow your fucking mind um if you're like me and always sang along to that song but didn't know one word um except for you got to keep them separated (laughs) um but yeah that song's about like gang violence and uh Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Just about somebody who's kind of like fed up with with like gang violence and like the the crazy violent youth.
0: So a a funny thing, uh, a little anecdote about that song also that I have, um, and there's a video on YouTube of a live performance of this song right in that time either 94 or 95 and it's such a at least for me watching this video i love it's such a perfect time capsule because clearly again a lot of these bands your your green days offspring pearl jam Soundgarden, they were known for some very rowdy live shows correct mm-hmm. crowd surfing stage diving all that stuff And this was definitely in a time when most venues did not have that little, like, three-foot area (laughs) between the stage and the actual crowd. Um, So there's this video. Um, They bring this, uh, apparently at every show they would bring somebody on stage to do the, you gotta keep them separated. Uh And they bring this seven-year-old kid on stage to do it. And they bust into the... The kid's hilarious. They bust into the song and you see just the entire crowd goes insane. There are people (laughs) climbing up onto the stage and then jumping back into the crowd. Just (laughs) nuts. And at one point, again, this is what makes me wistful about it. There's a guy without his shirt on, wearing like a backwards hat. He's got piercings all over his face, tattoos everywhere. He just gets up on stage... And stands in, like, like an offensive lineman, like, three-point stance <laughs> in front of this kid to make sure he's protected.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Just because everybody was going so nuts. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. So, whoa, off on a tangent there. Back to the matchup. This is, it, it's tough. It's tough. These are both, you know, very important albums to these uh, bands. Like, they broke them, very much broke them mainstream. Mm-hmm. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And again, I think either one of these, whoever wins here could get real hot and, and go further.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I, I think either one of these, I wouldn't be shocked if either one of these kind of like made a surprise run to the final, you know, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think both are important and special, Yeah. um, I just to me I think Offspring that album was a little bit more like uh I don't know just a really interesting moment in time and like I I don't know I definitely I think Offspring was a little more special to me so
0: Agreed agreed and that's where I'll be leaning Now uh, I will last... say
1: if this was the second Soundgarden album I would refuse <laughs> its entry into the tournament i would say if you put this in i'm out because that's how bad it was and like everything they did going forward but um it definitely knowing too like uh dexter holland is like a literal genius um kind of changes the the perspective of the of the band because um you know it makes you realize like how much um this was like parody of society, sort of, you know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And supposed to be funny. Yeah. so.
0: And you mean you mean Sean Busey?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Apologies. Sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, one more quick matchup. Uh, so we had two from boys to men beating ill communication. From the Beastie Boys, 31-29. to 29. Again, another close matchup. Uh, we'll be facing, uh, going on today, either Unplugged in New York from Nirvana or 16 Stone from Bush. I haven't looked, but I have a feeling this is going to be Unplugged from Nirvana. But that will make for a very, very crazy matchup uh, with two from Boys to Men. Um, I'd even say have... I'd
1: even say it's also sexy and cool. <laughs> it's a crazy matchup. It's a sexy matchup, and fuck, it's cool. Well, you you are
0: recently more familiar with Unplugged. Um, I know you're familiar with uh, Boys to Men. What do you, what do you think here? If it's Unplugged,
1: I I I would say Unplugged. Honestly, yep. like I I think the the hits on two are great. Um, but yeah, that, that Unplugged is just so like dark and real and sparse and kind of a whole new play on like what Nirvana is, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, so I don't know. I think culturally they're both, uh, they were both huge and they were both very much like time capsules. Um, but I just think Nirvana I don't know. I mean, artistically, it's no contest, but yeah, I'm leaning Nirvana.
0: I I would I it's gonna be a little tough. I'll I'll probably have to split my vote if it's if it's Nirvana, which I think it will be. If it's if it's 16 Stone, this is this is Boys to Men all the way. So I I I, that's that's the way I'm gonna go. But um, yeah, that's our that's our second round. Next week we'll uh, we'll know a little more and we'll maybe pick a winner see see what we think but uh, that's all I got for this week. (laughs)
1: Um, You got anything else? Yeah, just one other thing, real quick. Um, Yes. Just talking about Bush. um, I I also listened to a few Bush songs over the last week, and after you said like it was his, you know goal, intention, whatever, to sound just like Kurt Cobain, um, I was kind of paying attention to he it through that, through that lens. And he does. It It's like somebody with much less artistic integrity doing a version, you know? Right. It's It sounds like the pop radio version of Nirvana, you know? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because it's definitely, you listen to the lyrics and stuff and it sounds like, Somebody who's purposely trying to write, you know what I mean? Where Kurt Cobain, you could tell it was like from his soul, and this kind of seemed like manufactured.
0: It's it's Frank Sinatra covering Bob Dylan.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's somebody who's much more handsome and has everything going for him. It kind of like fucks up the emo lyrics when you know, like you probably you probably have a really amazing life. <laughs>
0: Yeah, their second album was called Razorblade Suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just they were picking words out of a hat.
1: Seriously. Um,
0: yeah. Well, like I said, that's all I got. Do you got anything else?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so.
0: Well, for everyone out there in the Pop Tournaments universe, please keep on voting and keep on
1: popping. Pop pop. Come out and play. Keep them separated.
0: (laughs) You suck.